Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. How are you on this fantastic day? I hope wherever you are, you're able to just take a moment to pause, take a deep breath in, feel that life force flowing through you and exhale it out. All it takes is one deep breath to shift wherever you are. If it's a place you don't want to be, deep breath will help shift it, break it up, interrupt it, and you can choose to redirect. Um, so, hey, 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 I am here today and I will um, start off with a little confession. I was listening back to the previous episode and I was like, wow, I feel like either I'm really sleepy or I was secretly recording a podcast in a closet where no one knew that I was actually doing it. <laughs> Something, I don't know, my um, my voice, my energy felt really uh, soft, very low key. Um, I don't know, but I will say that the, at the time of the recording of that episode, um, I was feeling really tired, really exhausted and really pushing through the final days of, um, what is now, cause now I'm on the other side of it was the, the last little bits of my divorce process. So, I can officially say that I am officially divorced and that portal was something else. Let me tell you it, uh, I likened it to being birthed, being the baby in the womb, enjoying that level of comfort of being taken care of and all that stuff. And knowing that, you know, you're, you're outgrowing that space, knowing that you need to grow into a space beyond this womb. And so the contraction started and I was feeling that pressure and I was like, Ooh, Ooh, this is, this is the portal. This is the transformational journey. And so I was feeling that pressure, especially towards the end, you know, like it is with a birth baby's going through a really small birth canal and just imagine that pressure, right. That's coming on top of that baby and baby squeezing through. That's how I felt. That's, I was like, okay. And here's that final push. It's really, really, really small here. And it's, it's totally contracted and we're just going to hang on and keep going forward. And that final push was soon after the recording of that last episode. So I feel much better. (laughs) Thank you very much. I also feel, um, lighter. I feel more expansive. And so I am, I'm rebirthed out in the world and 
now I can continue to grow and evolve and expand beyond uh, that zone of constriction, we'll say. Uh, so for today, I'm going to start the episode not with Hafez, but with a, um, a tarot card, because it's been a while since I've talked to my tarot, since I've connected with my tarot. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier, and we and tarot cards came up and I was like, wow, I really haven't uh, been in touch with my with my divination tools. So today we are going to begin the episode with just a card to set the the tone to maybe set the intention for this episode. I have a few things in mind that I'd like to, you know, think through, talk through, discuss, share, teach about. Um, but let's see what card comes through. And today we've got, oh, the Seven of Swords. And just for the record, in case y'all are curious, I am pulling from um, the Light Seers Tarot deck by Chris Ann, my favorite deck. Um, and the card, the Seven of Swords, is, um, well, we got some birds in there, some, some crows that are not looking so friendly. So let us... <laughs> Let us read the guidebook um, for, you know, a little more insight into the card itself. If I, Before I do that, I, I'll look at the card and describe the card. So it is a figure that is crouched down, holding a dagger in their right hand. Um, they've got some feathers in a knapsack on their back. I can't tell if it's male or female as the figure, the person is hooded. Uh, but there is three crows that are in the image. The one, There's one crow that is really coming forward into the, the image, really open mouth, almost yelling like, hey, this is... You know, this is some some tough stuff. There's there's um, branches and thorns behind him or her, and it looks like you know, sort of bleak, sort of like this is the rough and tumble part of the journey. But there is the moon above that is shining so brightly on the crouching figure, and so the way I'm seeing it is that we are moving through just to continue the metaphor, the portal of darkness into the light at the end of the tunnel. So let's take a look at what the guidebook says. Um, oh, <laughs> well, the first word is deception, okay, or betrayal. Taking only what's needed, the universe bearing witness to true intentions, getting away with something, being strategic, being grateful for the resources you have, moving silently and quickly. So interesting. So traditionally, this card warns us that we must be on the lookout for deception, thievery, and betrayal. While we can sometimes find ourselves the victim of someone else's deceit, it's also a nudge to act in alignment with our own highest mortality. Oh, sorry, morality. Be sure you are being honest with yourself about the nature of your reality right now. Sometimes we pretend that everything is okay or that we are doing, are doing the best we can even when we're not. Hmm. We ever say that? <laughs> ever trick ourselves into, into thinking that? Oh yeah, I'm doing the best that I can. Really, but deep down you know you're not. Uh, sometimes this shows up as recklessness or as avoidance of responsibilities. Take only what's needed and remember that no excuse outweighs your ability to act from a place of love and integrity. You cannot deceive your own heart and the universe will always bear witness to your truest intentions. For you, 
Alone and vulnerable under the light of the full moon, the only thing that matters is the truth. Move forward with the lightness of conscience to guide you. And so the mantra for this one is, I act from a place of love and morality, and the universe witnesses my honest intentions. Hmm. I am thinking on that because I, last episode I was talking about prisons, I was talking about what imprisons our authentic selves. And my episode intention for today was to explore our truest selves, um, to take a look at what is holding us back, what is preventing us from truly expressing who we are being on the inside. Um, and sometimes it's, it's because we don't even know. You know, we've lived according to the prescriptions, we'll say, of other people, to the expectations of other people, of what other people want us to do, to be, uh, that when we are given the opportunity to be our true selves, we're like, wait, what? <laughs> How do we do that? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Um, and so I'll just share my own personal experience with that because I am currently in that moment. You know, I've experienced these kinds of moments throughout my life of, you know, who I'm being and how I'm being and if that is or is not in alignment with my divine truth. You know, so for example, when I was an undergraduate in college, I I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I was a senior in high school. I mean, you're 17, 18 years old. I mean, what it's rare for anyone to really know what they want to do. Of course, there are those who are like, I've always loved this and this is what I'm going to do in college. This is what I'm going to pursue, whatever. And that is fantastic, you know, but I didn't have that kind of support to explore my passions, to explore what really lit me up. So I was at sort of, you know, at a loss, you know, I was, where, what do I do? What, what kind of major or area of interest do I want to pursue in college? I don't, I don't know. And so when I started college, um, when I applied for colleges, it was either, you know, um, business. And that's so vague. Like, what is business actually? Like, you can go to business school, but what does that even mean? You know? So for me, I didn't, I had no idea what that meant. What is that? What is business school? Um, the other option was to be a doctor. And, you know, that's sort of the typical Asian career options, be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. And the reason for that, you know, with a lot of Asian communities is that there is this perception that there is financial security there. And so, you know, parents, immigrant parents want to make sure that their kids are financially secure. And so these jobs feel guaranteed because everyone's going to need a doctor and everyone's going to need a lawyer and everyone needs an engineer. And all of those jobs pay really, really well. And so, um, so I was like, well, my dad's a physician. I, I guess I'll do that. You know, I'll go pre-med. Now I never had any exposure to what my dad actually did. You know, I just knew that he got calls, you know, he would, he would, um, do some consultations, preliminary consultations on the phone at home when he was home. Um, he'd go in the middle of the night to do surgeries. He was a general surgeon, but I never really, knew firsthand what he actually did. You know, it was just this, this thing that I had imagined he did. Um, I think it was the show ER. 
that, you know, when it first came out, I was like, oh, maybe that's what my dad does. You know, I had no idea because he never took any of us to, you know, on the job with him. There was no like take your kid to work day or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, so I didn't, I had no idea what that was, but I was like, all right, well, he does that. I'll just go try it out. So I, I decided, you know, I'll go pre-med and, um, and so that was becoming my identity because it felt familiar. It felt secure. It felt, um, like a guaranteed outcome. If I go pre-med, then that means I'm going to go to medical school, which means then I'll be a doctor and then I'll be financially secure and then I can do whatever I want once I have money. And so that was the path. I, I like to call it the capital T, capital P path. These are the things that our society dictates for for us. Um, we are seen as commodities. We are seen as contributors to the workforce, you know, it drives me crazy to hear American media talk about the young people as, you know, contributors to the workforce, like they're not anything else except cogs in the machine. Um, And so I just, oh, yeah, it just gets me so, so infuriated. It's like, no, they're not human beings who have, you know, emotional experiences or passions for doing other things besides work. But that's a whole other conversation about the culture of work, of grind culture, um, that maybe I'll bring into play uh, at a later episode. Um, So my identity was around being a pre-med student as an undergraduate. Um, I had all of the courses laid out for me. Okay, you're going to start taking chemistry. You'll take bio 101. You'll take calculus one. You'll take an English um, composition class because we need to make sure that you know how to write. So I went to liberal arts college. So while there was a a track for biology majors um, with some courses that help specify the pre-med track, Um, They were also interested in making sure that the science folks get some humanities to balance them out. So I did take an English class. And English was always a subject that came easy to me. Um, And so it was, you know, it was, I I wasn't crazy about English composition because as most Americans who go through the college system know, a composition 101 or expository writing 101, whatever it's called at your undergraduate college, was all about writing essays, which I have no problem with, but it was essays that were boring. It was essays about like current events that were more like, I want you to write an argumentative paper on blah, 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 blah. It just felt very not have nothing has nothing to do with literature or even language. It's just, can you write a persuasive paper in five paragraphs or more? Go, you know, it's just, ugh, don't even get me started. Um, so yeah, so this was my identity. This was my trajectory. And I had my friends who were also on that path and but I also had friends who were on different paths and so you know I I walked through that um, journey that path that was laid out for me and then I the spring semester of my freshman year I did not do well academically Um, I was struggling with chemistry specifically and um, calculus was not my friend Um, as much as I love math and I love figuring out puzzles and figuring out math problems, there's something about calculus that I was allergic to. (laughs) So I was like, hmm, this, 
doesn't seem like fun. Not that I thought pre-med would be fun, but I thought I was competent enough to score high grades. So I started thinking, all right, if it's this hard now, it'll just get harder as we go on. What am I going to do? I don't know. We'll see. So I continued on this path and heard stories from sophomores about organic chemistry, which was on the horizon for me. And I was like, whoa, I don't know about that. Can I delay taking that? I don't, you know, hmm, I don't know. I don't even like chemistry. So it came to my second year in college where I was really struggling with fitting into this identity of pre-med student and decided that I was going to double major in biology and English. So I could satisfy both my parents' expectation of me being a doctor by still majoring in biology, but also honoring what I wanted to pursue, which was literature, which was creative writing. And of course, you know, the quote unquote practical side of me was like, well, what are you going to do with an English major? You know, like, how is that going to help you in the world? How is that going to like, what kind of jobs do English majors have? And what kind of money do they make? And blah, 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 blah. You know, all these questions. And I, and I was just like, I'll figure it out later. Like I, I got the doctor gig. I'm going to fall back on being a doctor. It's fine. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I was doing the double major and then it just became more and more apparent that science was not my friend, you know, loved genetics, one of my favorite classes ever. And I remember I also took, um, a, a biology class that was specifically about, um, oncology and that was amazing. I mean, my professor, oh, loved it. But it wasn't enough. Those two courses alone were not enough for me to say, hey, I really want to go into the medical field. It was more like, I love learning this stuff. But beyond this specific professor, I don't know if I can make it. <laughs> you know, and I love literature. I love reading. I loved analyzing the text. I loved making meaning out of these things. And writing came so easy. Everyone was amazed at like, what I wrote, I wrote for the school paper and the editor was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Can you write for us? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, really? You know, I kind of doubted. I, I was like, how is it that it's so easy and people are impressed by this? So that was my first realization, which I also ignored, you know, soon after, that work doesn't have to be hard, that what you create can be easy. I mean, actually, if it's the thing that you love, it it is easy. It just flows. And, you know, a lot of us are, are conditioned to think that in order for something to have value, we need to have exerted a certain energy, a certain amount of work, a certain kind of thing in order for it to count, in order for it to matter, if that makes any sense. And so, um, so yeah, I just was like, all right, I'll just keep going. Everyone kept, you know, the, the editor at the school paper asked me to write. The people at the alternative newspaper, there's an alternative newspaper, you know, welcomed my contributions. And I was like, this is great. And at, at one point I was like, maybe I'll be a journalist. So already I was seeing a different identity that I could embody. And so when I got around to telling my parents that I was not going to be a pre-med major, that I was not going to medical school, that I was pursuing English and literature and all this other stuff, they did not like it. And I want to specifically say that I told my mom 
not my dad because my dad's too scary. <laughs> I mean, he's okay now, but but then back then, you know, as a as a young adult, my dad was scary, and I didn't I didn't really think that he would hear me anyway. Um, so I told my mom, and she was not happy. Uh, she was upset. She was like, you know, she thought I was throwing my my career away, throwing my life of guaranteed financial security away, and. You know, I just said to her, well, who's the one that has to live with this decision for the rest of her life? Not you. And she knew I was right. And so she just stopped trying to convince me otherwise and just let me do my thing. And that felt so liberating and felt so great. But then I was like, okay, well, who am I now? You know, like, how do I, how do I be an English major? And of course, at the time, I didn't have that awareness, you know, I wasn't like consciously like, ooh, I'm going to wear Birkenstocks with socks <laughs> and be a hippie or whatever, whatever the stereotypical like English major is at a liberal arts college, <laughs> right? I didn't, I wasn't deliberately or intentionally or consciously making these choices, but I do, or even asking these questions, but I do remember thinking to myself that there was a time, a period of time where I had to navigate this, this new version of me that was starting to emerge. It was, it was almost like a mini rebirth. It's like the med student, Leslie Ann was now being put away. It's like, oh, okay, that path has come to an end and we're going to try this other path that's branched off from the original path. So, you know, get out of your out of your lab coat and put on a flannel plaid shirt <laughs> and walk this this path of English major. And so so that was just a small taste, a small example of of that that period of time in between where it's necessary to put down the previous identity to to lay it to rest, to shed it and then have that blank space slowly evolve and emerge into the next identity that you have stepped into. And so, um, and so, yeah, I, I, I feel that with this card, getting back to the tarot card, um, that it really is about being in integrity with your heart, with the call, the deepest call of your heart and your heart center, and to be mindful of who you share that with. You know, I mean, the, the sort of stealthiness of the card, I see it as, well, I'm going to do my thing. And I'm only going to share it with the people who feel safe. I'm only going to share it with the people who will support me. Because if I share it with the wrong people, they may, they may steer me off track and I will not let that happen. I, this is too important. This is who I'm being. And if they don't like it, they don't have to participate in my journey. Um, so yeah. So thinking about these forks in the road, these moments when one stage comes to a close and the next one begins. There is a time of transition. And it's important for us to honor that, to not rush things, to not make decisions about like, it needs to be this way. Can we invite that space of uncertainty to be a moment of quiet and 
evolution of blossoming. You know, like the image that comes to mind right now is when we see roses, for example, we see the buds closed. And I don't know about you, but I'm always looking forward to watching those buds unfurl and open up. But it's not, it's not, you know, one day it's closed bud, next day, poof, it's totally open. No, it's a gradual process. It takes time. And the rose takes its time opening. It's not like, oh, look, everyone's waiting for me. I'm going to like just open my petals. Here we go. You know, it's more like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling into it. I'm going to slowly open because I want to open up to the sunlight that's inviting me to really unfurl my petals. Um, and so that is what I've been thinking about in this journey of stepping into your authentic self. It's not just like you're in standing in one place and then you just hop over to the next square and be like, okay, now I'm this person. No, there is a slow, well, maybe it's not necessarily slow, but there is a process. I think speed is not relevant. I think it's, it's, it varies from person to person, but I think it's about creating that space to be open and to allow, you know, uh, since my, since my divorce was finalized, I've been noticing that my ego self wants to get on with it. Like, okay, we finished that thing. That chapter's done. Let's move on to the next one because we're so eager to start new, to start the next chapter, to really get going already. But my body is like, uh, girl, we just went through a birthing process that was just really rough on the system. So can we take a nap? Can we just, you know, sit on the couch and breathe for a little bit? And feel into what our next thing might be instead of rushing into, well, we got to do this. We got to check off this list and we got to create that thing. So I am talking from this place of what is the, the threshold of change? And I'm inviting you to notice if you too are standing at that threshold, are you pulling yourself forward, exerting, efforting yourself to move forward because you are eager to move on to the next thing? And if you're eager, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But ask yourself, are you eager because you want so desperately to be this thing because you've waited for so long? Or are you running from the thing that you left behind because you're afraid it's going to catch up to you and pull you back? That is something to tune into because if you're running, that thing that you left behind is going to keep chasing after you until you finally face it head on and say, okay, I see you. I see you. I honor you. I thank you for the things that you've taught me, for the things you've shown about me, the lessons I've learned. And now I am ready to release you. I'm ready to set you free. And then you can feel that thing just whoosh, move on. You, you feel it just release. And then you're left with sort of this wide blank space. You know, I can't help but think of Taylor Swift's song because <laughs> I've listened to a lot of Taylor Swift lately. But, you know, the blank space 
and it's an open canvas. It's a blank canvas. You can write whatever you want. You can create whatever you want. But take the time to feel into what's being called forth to be created instead of thinking what should be created. Because that the should, that's what's gotten us, you know, in the, in the predicaments we didn't like in the first place. <laughs> you know, the shoulds are expectations put on you by other people or even yourself, your ego self. You know, let's, let's feel into what is my heart inviting me to do. Because the energy of intuition and, and heart-centered creation, heart-led creation, is calm. It's trusting. It's expansive. The hurried, frantic, like, crazed, like, like sharp electric energy often comes from fear, comes from ego, comes from scarcity thinking. Like, if I don't do this now, I don't know what's going to happen. Something might, you know, I might miss something or something bad might happen or whatever. Fill in the blank, you know. But if you, if we can step into trust and allow for what is coming next to emerge into our vision, then that thing becomes sustainable. It becomes expansive. And then you can begin to feel into what your new identity is, which technically is not new because that is who you have been all this time. It's more an emergence. Hey, everyone, this is the real me. And I feel blessed. I feel radiant. I feel honored to be able to express and share this new, well, sorry, this familiar me that's always been in here. I've shed all of the false layers. Don't worry, there's lots of false layers. So we haven't truly shed all of them. (laughs) But we are closer and closer to opening up who we are to the world. And when we do that, so many people will respond in kind. They'll respond with their own light. They'll respond with support. They'll respond with excitement. I mean, yeah. And if there's somebody who responds in a contraction kind of way, in a negative way, a sharp way, attacking you in any way, or a jealous kind of way, That is them seeing what's possible for them. They get activated because they want the same thing or they they feel some resonance where they're like, wait, that if if I can't have that, I see what they have. I can't have that. Then they can't have that. And I'm going to I'm going to be mean about it. I'm going to take them down because that's not allowed. Instead of. Oh, that's, that, that's allowed. Wow. That's possible. I can do that. Yeah. Take jealousy as a sign that that's something you want and that it's possible. So yeah, that is where I'm at in inviting you and thinking about, okay, 
we are moving towards a, an expression of our authentic selves. And so as we do that, can we trust who we're being? Can we step into that version of ourselves and trust that we have ourselves? We've got our own backs. It is safe for us to be seen. It is safe for us to be who we are being, no matter what. But to also give yourself the space to evolve and grow into whatever new thing is coming forward. Don't rush it. Just trust. All right, my friends, a lot to chew on today. A lot, lot to chew on. So listen, I got some things that I want to talk to you about as far as being a child of immigrants and how to shed some of those difficult conditions, how to create safety for ourselves, how to really step into and embrace our divine truth. So that's coming up in the next few episodes. All right. Okay. So I'll close the episode with one more card, one more card, just to send you off into the week with a little guidance, a little light. And we have the queen of wands. I love the queen of wands. She is beautiful and she is not to be messed with. <laughs> so the image of the card is a woman who is sitting cross-legged on what looks like a cloud of light surrounded by tea lights. She's got one palm open and there is a brilliant flame whose light is radiating out across the card and she holds a wand straight up into the air beautiful. So this is what the guidebook says. Creativity, passion, determination, confidence, joy, bold expression, helping others are, oh, helping others. I don't even know. I think this might be a typo. Anyway, helping you build your queendom and power. So you are capable and fierce. It's time to root into your purpose and boldly step into the limelight of your life. The Queen of Wands radiates creativity and passion wherever she goes. And when she enters a room, her exuberant charisma and confidence are palpable. Don't be afraid to be the center of attention. And for goodness or goddess's sake, stop acting small in order to make those around you more comfortable. Make sure fiery bursts of productivity are accompanied by laughter and gratitude, connection, appreciation, and love. It's okay to hold shadow in all of this light. Don't push it down so deeply that you can't find it again. Accept the parts of you that you don't openly share. The past failures that have held you back, they don't define you. So transmute that shadow. Sit with it briefly and then light it on fire. Because you don't need it anymore. And here's the mantra. I fill my world with an intense light that connects and incites my passions. And so on that note, my friends, consider what is it, what passion drives you, what lights you up from within? 
let that be your guidance for this week. And so until next time, my friends, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Namaste. If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos, by signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox. Go to suryagiyan.com slash subscribe.